For the last two days, our colleague Aaron Aylworth has been in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where police shot a black man on Sunday evening, leaving him paralyzed. After a video of the shooting went viral, protests in Kenosha gave way to burning and looting. And then, on Monday, clashes between police and protesters got even more intense. For Aaron, these past few days seem familiar. It's another incident of a black man being shot or otherwise hurt by police. I mean, it happens almost three months to the day from George Floyd's killing. And, you know, I was in Minneapolis the days after George Floyd's killing. And the way things are progressing here in Kenosha seems reminiscent to me of Minneapolis just that evolution of the violence escalating and the anger being expressed. Kenosha is a smaller community, so it does feel different, but also the same. In Kenosha, the shooting of Jacob Blake has led to the first major flashpoint since a nationwide reckoning over race began earlier this year. And as these protests escalate, the question is, will things look different this time? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, August 25th. Coming up on the show, we go on the ground in Kenosha, Wisconsin. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. The news of Jacob Blake's shooting spread like so many of these incidents do, with a viral video. The video that first went viral shows Mr. Blake rounding a silver SUV, and he is being followed by officers who have their weapons drawn. And he rounds the SUV, and he opens the driver's side door. And at that point, one of the officers reaches out and grabs onto his white tank top and pulls it. And it looks like he's trying to prevent Mr. Blake from doing whatever he was going to do in the vehicle. And as he's pulling on that tank top, Several shots are fired at Mr. Blake from behind. The video itself is hard to watch because you see a man get shot in the back several times. I mean, that should not be normal viewing for us, and yet it is. And so I think the anger and the tension were primed. What happened in Kenosha after the shooting took place? So after the shooting, neighbors essentially described to me a scene where, like, you know, there were police out there. There was a crowd yelling at those police, throwing things at police. Apparently something was thrown at an officer who got knocked out. And then that violence, those clashes then moved elsewhere in the city and ultimately a used car 
place was burned. So was a restaurant. After the first night of protests, city officials set a curfew, and the governor of Wisconsin called in the National Guard to try and prevent a second night of violence. So Aaron went to Kenosha to see how things played out in the day after the shooting and to talk with people who know Blake. Can I sit right here? Sure. Would you mind that? I talked to uh, neighbor Donnell Lauderdale, who is a friend of Jacob Blake's. How'd you guys meet? Just being neighbors or? Um, Being neighbors. um, His son and my son go to the same school. And, you know, we sat on his porch for a while chatting about what it's like to be a black man in America. And what did he say to you? Well, he basically said, you know, listen, I understand the rioting and the looting, and maybe we do need to tear it all down. And it's bad. I mean, we have no control over this. All the marching and protesting still don't help. It doesn't. The voting doesn't help. System needs to change. Yeah. And if, 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 the, if the whole United States have to burn, it's, it's going to have to. And then we're going to have to rebuild it all over again together. That's the only way it's going. You know, he was upset, not just at police, but at broader systems that discriminate or otherwise disenfranchise the black community. So, you know, I think he's tired because of a long litany of things, but also just because of more recent events like the pandemic and like George Floyd and now like Jacob Blake. After I chatted with people, I went over to the downtown area and there were roads that were blocked by these large orange city vehicles. I think maybe they're dump trucks. So then I get to the park across from the courthouse and I'm told that there's about to be a press conference with some officials and that the mayor is going to show up. And the protesters have sort of gathered themselves up against this door. And the mayor comes out with a bullhorn in his hand. And he starts off by saying that Kenosha has a history of trying to do the right thing. Kenosha has a history of trying to do the right thing. And immediately gets interrupted Mm. by protesters who just want to voice their concerns and their opinions to him. And then there was another point where the mayor again tried to speak. He was at a certain point trying to go through how the investigation was being handed off to a third-party agency so that it could be independently scrutinized. And the crowd would barely let him get through that. They wanted to talk to him about racial injustices and about the problems that they see. But it was just this very very tense thing where the crowd started to squeeze together. It became not a press event, not a media scrum, but very much, you know, started to feel like, uh-oh. As in like a panicking moment of a crushing crowd. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, he decides that he's done trying. He is going to walk away. So he starts to go back into the building and the crowd gets angry. Right 
they're like, stop him, stop him. Don't let him go back inside, stop him. And really try and like pull him, prevent him from getting into the building. They want the mayor back. Even if he was done with them, they weren't necessarily done with him. And at that point, police come out. And police are in the helmets with the shields. Some pepper spray, I think, is sprayed into the crowd. And, uh, and then police pull the door shut. What is the significance of this, what sounds like, very intense moment? Yeah, I mean, I think it was very much for me a signal of just how upset people are. But also, in some ways, uh, in my perception, it showed me how officials are going to struggle with this event. The mayor obviously thought he was, you know, doing something good by going out and talking to the crowd, and it really just served to upset them. This was just one day after Jacob Blake was shot. And heading into night two, things were about to get even more heated. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. Back in May, after the killing of George Floyd, the second night of protests in Minneapolis was much more intense than the first. And that was true in Kenosha last night, too. The crowd out there early in the evening was very peaceful, you know, lots of people, maybe a couple hundred, just holding signs and sort of milling about. And it wasn't really until it started to get dark and then got progressively later that the crowd got more agitated and you started to see like volleys of water bottles just being thrown at officers who were stationed on the steps of the courthouse in their riot gear with the shields and the helmets. And they would tell protesters via like a bullhorn, like, hey, you know, step back. Or if you, you know, if you don't disperse, we're going to deploy gas. As it got later, there was this larger crowd that marched along Sheridan Road here, which is a main road. And this large crowd, it was much larger than the group gathered at the courthouse. They joined the people at the courthouse. It was a little bit after 9 p.m. that you saw basically a line of, you know, military vehicles. They looked like the National Guard vehicles that I've seen in the past drive down Sheridan Road. And it was at that point that sort of that swarm of people set off a clash where tear gas was deployed. 
and there was just like a crush of people running. And then shortly after that, that's when the fire started getting lit. There were city trucks that had been used as sort of roadblocks and a set of them had been broken. The windows had been smashed and they'd been set on fire Sunday night. And then they were set on fire again last night. And then businesses around town were also set on fire and looted. We were listening to the police radio scanner for a bit last night. It was pretty hectic. Were were the fires bigger in night two than in night one? From what I can tell, it looks like the fires spread beyond the initial night, but then the destruction also went further. So I've heard reports of some looting and window breaking apparently in Madison, Wisconsin, but in terms of Kenosha, yes, it does seem like it was more widespread beyond what was initially hit. The way things are progressing here seems reminiscent to me of Minneapolis. Just that evolution of the violence escalating from night one into night two and the anger being expressed. You know, we saw the same stuff in Minneapolis. We saw the mayor of Minneapolis call a curfew, eventually bring in the National Guard, and it didn't really work there either. The one big difference, though, is that Jacob Blake is still alive. Earlier today, his lawyer said that Blake is paralyzed from the waist down. The lawyer said that he's, quote, praying it's not permanent. I mean, the fact that he is alive at this point, how does that change what this incident is or represents? Or the fact that we may be able to hear from him at some point? Yeah, no, I mean, I think hearing from him is the key thing. We at some point, I have to believe, will hear his voice, his telling of what happened. We don't get that with George Floyd or any of these past encounters and deaths. While we may be able to hear from Jacob Blake, there will be one thing that will make it more difficult to figure out exactly what happened. Kenosha police don't wear body cameras. We have the cell phone camera that bystanders shot in this instance, but no body cam the way that we do in the George Floyd killing. Why is there no body cam? There is no body cam because Kenosha police do not wear them. Is that common? I thought most police officers across the country had body cameras. My understanding is that they are planned but have not been implemented yet. We're in the middle of this nationwide reckoning over race and policing. How do you think this incident will fit into that? I mean, I think it's it's another block in that whole argument, right? It's another thing that bolsters the need for this conversation, for this reckoning, for the questions that people are asking of themselves around race and discrimination and disenfranchisement. But this is not a new fight. It's a fight that gets rejuvenated every few years. I mean, we saw it happen after Ferguson, for instance, and we saw, of course, you know, Minneapolis and George Floyd are the latest big iteration. And I think that Jacob Blake's shooting, deadly or not, you know, because he is still alive, it just bolsters the need for this conversation.
That's all for today, Tuesday, August 25th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this story from Julie Wernow. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.